Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And I'm Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. That you wasn't so bad. You always get the last word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I, I, am, I am good. I spent a couple hours in the garden yesterday for the first time in a while, so that was good. I, I did too. So did a big fat rabbit. <laughs> oh, he's been spending time in your garden. Oh, probably. yeah, man. He's, he's getting really healthy. He's really? Re- he's, He's getting ready for the winter. He looks about the size of a bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fur. It's all yeah, fur. He's yeah, just getting, yeah, up, yeah. getting his fur. Yeah. It was uh, It was nice. It was nice to spend a couple of hours. It was a warm afternoon. I sort of was in between the little bit of Sticky. rain showers we had. Definitely humid. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of leaving your garden stand for the winter because it's so good for beneficial insects and uh, other creatures out there. But I did have some diseased plants that I really needed to get out of there. I had some marigolds, and I don't know what happened to them, but they were the big African marigolds, mm-hmm. the ones that get like three I feet tall. I remember how excited you were to get those. Super excited, and they did beautifully. And then August arrived, and they branch by branch just turned black mm. and died. So I don't know what the pathogen was, but it was definitely because of all the rain. It was some sort of fungal issue, and I knew I needed to get them out of there because I'd like to try to do those marigolds again next year uh, in that you know same area of the garden. So I wanted to get those out, and of course I had a lot of trimming and pruning and things to so do. So if too. it w- if they weren't uh, diseased, mm-hmm. would an annual like marigolds for in your garden stay? No, but it would have. Okay. I would have let it drop seed. Okay, number yeah, and one. Then just pull it out at the end of the season, and then I would have pulled it out okay. at the end of the season. But it was looking really, and it's right in the front, so it was looking really bad. So I knew I needed to get in there and clean it out. I'm waiting for my Tabasco peppers to color up. They've been sitting there all year. I never grew Tabasco before. I just mm-hmm. like the name, mm-hmm. and they're just like little right now. Lime green peppers, and I had one or two turn orange, and they're hot, but Are not they? not killer hot. But they've yeah. got a really Again, with these hot peppers, it's the flavor. Yeah. It's that flavor. The flavor first, the pain later. Yeah. yeah. I have Carolina Reapers sitting in there, super chilly. Oh, my we, We're going to have a, a little hot pepper. Hot pepper party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's was. it been the best year ever for my peppers. I mean, I do not recall having a year ever. I guess they just love the water. They are. My pepper plants are probably about four, four and a half feet tall. I mean, they are huge, and they have big fruits, and the fruits have colored up. I'm growing one called Italian Orange mm. that uh, I believe I got the seedling from Garden Dreams Urban Farm uh, in Wilkinsburg when they were had their stand at May Market. I always get some tomatoes and things from them. And I also got this Italian Orange Pepper. And it's a, a an elongated sweet pepper, but it's still blocky like a like a, a bell pepper would be, but it's a longer version of a bell pepper. It's the most beautiful orange and it turns really quickly. Like you don't, it doesn't need to be on the plant forever like a bell pepper does in order to turn color. This one like turns red almost immediately. It is the n- sweetest flavor, nice thick walls. I mean, I will definitely grow that one again. It's I'm so good. thinking about sticking to some just basic tomatoes next year. Mm. I'm always trying these crazy weird ones. Like what was the one that you grew, the Smurf one? Yeah, Dancing with Smurfs. I won't grow that again. Yeah, and I grew yeah. a couple that were- The a, cute name. I had a try. Yeah, but, same yeah. thing here, but, mm, you yeah. know, and then when you get one that you just love the flavor of, uh, you know, I, I grow that potato top. I love that texture and flavor, and then the heart of Italy that my daughter found. There, That just, again, when you find something for you, the, right. you know, a lot of people feel that that meaty texture is kind of wormy. But uh, I love that meaty texture. That that to me is a tomato. Now, will you save save seeds from your tomatoes this year? 
You know, I would definitely from the uh, potato top, but the mm-hmm. heart of Italy, I should actually mm-hmm. because I can I just know I can get it at Han Nursery every yeah. every year. And, and if you're just buying a couple of plants, it's yeah. just easier sometimes to do that. But maybe I should. Well, if someone wants to save seeds from tomatoes, you should describe the process because it's not a plant that you can just pull the seeds out and stick them in an envelope. Yeah, and for be mo- done. most most plants, it's really easy. You just kind of look at it. <laughs> See that it's about to drop the seeds and swoop in and get them. But for tomatoes, they need to be, uh, uh, what's the word? The fermenting? Fermenting. That's the word. I would have thought of it (laughs) on the way home. (laughs) So we squeeze those tomato seeds out into a little bit of a little glass of water, stir them around. uh, Just to get the goop off, right? Well, it gets the. It's a it's for some somehow this. uh, Say it again. Fermentation. Fermentation. If, you know, fermentation is used to make beer, so this should be a term that you're ah, familiar with. Ah, fermentation. Now <laughs> it all adds up. So when you ferment them, uh, it helps uh, uh, prevent soil-borne diseases somehow. And then, yes, it removes that gelatinous coating that stops it from sprouting inside the tomato. So we do that for a couple of days, and then just I put them down in a coffee filter, dry them out. Put them in a... Uh, Why uh, a coffee filter? Just they don't stick to the coffee right. filter. Yeah, because you can do it on paper towel. I know. I, you know, yeah. with that potato top, people are always sending them back in the paper towel. When I send them back out, I just send them the whole paper towel. Yeah. Because you, you can't get them, them off. off. Yeah, right, right, awful. right. So that's all there is to it. Dry them and then store them correctly. You know, I, I, mine are in a mason jar in a cool, dry place. You know, they got to stay dry. If they get wet again, that's it. it it's over. Uh, before we get to the phones, I got a couple of gigs coming up this week. On Thursday at 10:30 in the morning, I'll be leading a, bot- a botany walk and talk at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden. Uh, we go out for about an hour. We look around at the different plants. We talk about it. It's a lot of fun, uh, and then we have a nice lunch together. Uh, go to pittsburghbotanicgarden.org, and then on Saturday, I'm going to uh, MC. The Change of Heart Gala, and it's at uh, St. John and Paul Parish in Sewickley. It's a live auction for a trip to Nashville will be part of it. Lots of other cool stuff, including a print from our friend, artist John Oprasek. It's the main fundraiser for a program that empowers young adults to live simply in a community while serving the vulnerable population. I've worked with them for 10 years, uh, the Change of Heart Gala, and I'm excited to emcee. The website is... Jessica's, the website is... <laughs> Jessica's been looking it up for me. The She's got all the information for me. I want it's, the website. Okay, here we go. Changeofheartvolunteers.org. Thanks. Cha- I'm sorry, changeheartvolunteers.org. Changeheartvolunteers. Right. And apparently it's uh, back to the 50s is yeah, the theme. Yeah, it's going to be good. It looks really I was born cool. in the 50s, so it should be exciting. There it says MC Doug Oster. Yeah. Home and Garden Editor for Everybody Gardens and the Tribune. How That's me. That? There you, you go. when we were growing up and your parents said they were born in their 20s, how that used to seem. Now it feels that way when somebody says we were born in the born 50s. in the 50s. I know. All right. Better than being lost in the, this decade. <laughs> better than being lost in the 70s. I was there, too. <laughs> I know. I said, Doug, move over. I mean, All right. Let's go to uh, Brad and Clarion up first for Doug and Jess. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Good morning, bud. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Brad, how are you? Doing great. Uh, I have a question about trimming a forsythia bush. Has that, has, can you do that? Can you trim a forsythia bush? Well, you can trim a forsythia bush. Now is actually not the greatest time because the flower buds are already there. Uh, The ideal time is to do it right after it's finished blooming. But, Uh you know, it's one of those plants that it it can handle being pruned now. You'll just be sacrificing your flowers for next year. Yeah, I... uh... 
It is uh, a little early. I just wanted to know, you know, if you could trim it. This one's I had never trimmed it yet, and it's getting out of hand. And when I trim uh, my shrubs and bushes, I make them look like a snowball. I round them up. Oh nice. no! And yeah, make them. Oh, look Brad, like you're in trouble with <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> that is. Yeah. No, it's not good. That actually, it's one of the most harmful things, actually, if I can speak frankly, to do to our shrubs because it's forcing them. It's like taking a teenage boy and forcing it, you know, to stay five feet tall when it really wants to grow six foot two, you know. Oh, um, and and it is opening it up to, to um, you know, a weaker immune system and therefore making it a little more prone to pests and diseases. So it's uh, always best to let shrubs and trees have their natural form. And for Scythia, actually, for Scythia has a beautiful, we call it a vase-like form, which is is arching branches, um, an upward, you know, upward growth at the bottom and then arching, outward arching branches at the top. It's really a lovely form if you're willing to let it sort of be in its natural form. And Brad, I'm sorry. I'm, natural. Brad, I'm sorry. You're not able to call anymore. What? <laughs> What? Oh, because, because I'm shunning him because he makes his plants into meatballs. It's actually something we kind of talk about in the in the in the trade every now and then. We're sort of like the meatball shrub is what we call it, which is when people you know do take and they shear. And yeah. and you know I don't blame people for doing it because it's a long standing practice that people have done for many many years. But it's really not in the best interest of the health of that plant. Brad, how how has your season been this year? Yeah, what's that? How has your season been this year? Oh, great, great. Uh, we, you know, if you remember right, we got our garden in late. And I told my son-in-law, I said, this might be the best garden we've ever had. Wow. And it turned out great. I mean, good. everything turned out good. <laughs> Did you end up feeding the bears? Uh, no, no, I was going to ask Jessica. You probably had cauliflower heads as big as the bear heads. That bear manure <laughs> yeah, in your garden. Yeah, it was the cabbage heads that were actually as big as the bear oh. that was in our garden. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, it was, uh, it was a good year, mine too. Did you have a good pepper year? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Peppers, hot peppers, and the sweet peppers as well, and the tomatoes—they done great. No, it's all that electric dirt you use, Brad. No, maybe. <laughs> What's <laughs> your favorite hot pepper? The farmer next door. There you go. <laughs> what is your favorite hot pepper? What's that? What is your favorite hot pepper? Uh, the I like the banana peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stuff them with uh, sauerkraut, and uh, I love them. <laughs> we'll all be right, over Brad. at six. We'll be over at six for Sunday supper. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got some right out of the text messages. Uh, what do you recommend to put on the lawn this time of year? Great show. Uh, compost, if you could get it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could put a quarter inch of compost, if you could just rent the aerating machine with your neighbors, run the aerator over there, and just throw a quarter inch of compost on there. I mean, I know that sounds hard, but boy, that is the best thing. Um, you can use a drop spreader to, to spread good quality finished compost, too. And people think they have to spread it by hand, which you can do, obviously, on a smaller lawn, but. You can use a drop spreader to spread that compost. If you couldn't get that much compost, what would you put on? So I would do, um, well, personally, I do nothing. I mean, I leave my grass clippings lie, and that provides all the nitrogen because we have a lot of white clover in our lawn, which is incredibly good for the lawn because it's a nitrogen fixer. And so uh, when you when you cut your lawn and you let the trimmings lie, we have a mulching mower, you're actually letting all the, the clover leaves that are chopped up and the, and the grass clippings that are chopped up lie on the lawn, and they eventually become organic matter and food for the good microbes, which helps feed your lawn. Your lawn's so big, you have to have a tractor to cut it, right? We do, That's yeah. We have, a, we, have a, we have a lawn tractor to cut it, and it's obviously a mulching tractor. So that we don't ever have to fertilize our lawn because we just let those clippings lie to become a natural fertilizer. But, you know, if you... 
for some reason collect your clippings and you don't have a mulching mower or whatever, you could do like um, the organic, uh, I love Espoma's organic lawn fertilizer line. And they actually have one that is a four-step program that they do have that's completely organic. It's, you know, no, no synthetic chemicals in there. And they do have a winterizing formula. So it would be the final step of the season that you would do this time of year. If you wanted something cheap to throw onto that lawn that was organic, uh, Han Nursery's got the Revita, which is a balanced fertilizer, not the high ner- nitrogen one, mm-hmm. for fourteen ninety five for 50 pounds. I nice. mean, I, you know, I already bought a bag myself. I mean, that's just a deal and a yeah. half. You remember when he I mean, used you to drive back wanna... and get that stuff for us? Yeah, no, I used <laughs> to drive to Ohio. Ohio to get it. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And it, it's good stuff. It's not specifically formulated for the fall no, winterizing no. formula. No, so I'd but... rather see you use that one in the spring. Well, that's a 343. Three. Right. But I'd rather see you use that one in the spring. And then you, you just got to, I don't think it would be a bad thing, but I would rather see someone use a winterizing formula specifically that would really make good hardy roots and help it overwinter better. But for me, I just use my grass. Yeah, I don't put anything on mine either. All right, what kind of tractor do you have? Craftsman, John Deere, Cub? We had a John Deere for many, many years, and it croaked. And we had so much trouble finding some place to service it Mm -hmm. that we ended up, um, we have a Cub Cadet now that we really like. You know, Andy Anrime told me that uh, all the universities are switching to electric, and the commercial electric mower is an 80-volt mower. You know, the ones that we're using, like mm-hmm. your trimmer and my mm-hmm. electric mower and trimmer are 40 volt. But that's the that's the future. That's the future. Okay, here we go. Uh, another right automotive text message, and we're going to get to a break at a couple of minutes. No time to really put anybody on, but Rose, Janet, and Virginia will get to all of you coming up in the next hour, half hour, plus Davy Trees Talking Trees for the final time this season. It uh, says, hey, gang, I'm curious to know what... Uh, you think about planting winter ryegrass in the garden. Oh, I was just writing about this. I was just writing about this. A winter rye is an excellent cover crop to use in the vegetable garden. A couple different caveats. One, don't sow it too thickly because it forms a super dense mat that is very, very hard. To... You did that once. Oh, my gosh. It was a big mistake. So don't do it too thickly. Um, number two, rye is alleliopathic, which means it produces these compounds that prevent other plants or seeds from germinating. So what farmers will do a lot of times in the spring is they'll cut that rye grass and they'll let the trimmings lie in the garden. And what you can do then is plant your tomatoes and peppers and zucchini transplants right into that rye grass, um, you know, the, the dead stems that are there, and it prevents weeds from growing in there. You can't plant seeds in it, but you can put transplants in there, and it works really, really well. It holds the soil in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, also good for beneficials, right? Yep, yep. And easy to find. You know, again, I saw it, uh, bags of it at Han Nursery the other day. Yeah. You know, you could find it at most nurseries, and I put mine in Just after. Just get the right kind of rye. It's the seed rye, the field rye yeah. that you want. You don't want the stuff that people plant in their yeah, lawns. Yeah, it says winter rye. It's right. a big, big seeds. But I put mine yep. in after I pull my tomatoes out. So yeah. there's still time for it, believe it or not, to, to germinate and get yep. going, especially in this weather. Yeah. We are joined by Rob Krueljack from Davy Tree and a very special guest. Special guest. Special guest. Say hi into say the microphone. Hi. <laughs> my name is Gavin. All right, Gavin, what, what grade are you in? I'm in fourth grade. Besides lunch and re- recess, what are your favorite subjects? Does Jim count? <laughs> oh! Uh, boy, is that a boy. Son. <laughs> boy, is that a boy. Yep, that's my kid's Good favorite answer. class, too. All right, that sounds <clears throat> yeah. good. Well, thanks for getting up early coming into the show. Uh, He's rubbing the sleep out of his eyes as he talks. So am I. What do you mean? I know we all are. Trust me. All right, <laughs> all right Rob, how long can we continue to plant trees? 
Um, I usually like, I like to say till the ground freezes, but really you should go on temperature um, if you want to do it really scientifically. Um, for deciduous trees, it's, I believe it's 50, 50 degrees is the, the coolest. You Night temperature, go. day temperature? Day temperature. Soil, day. temperature. Okay. soil temperature. I'm sorry. Soil, soil temperature. Soil temperature. Yeah, 50 okay. degrees. Oh, 50. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. And then uh, for um, evergreens, 60 is, is about okay. the, 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 the shutoff. So you've got a longer period of time to plant those So we are getting close to this end of the, to you guys stop planting. Yeah. When does, I mean, normally, when does the soil temperature reach 50, 60? Depends on the year, yeah, really. I mean, yeah. with climate this year, change, it's hard well to, yeah, yeah. December. Planted, we planted trees in November, you know, up to after Thanksgiving, and they've done fine the next year. You, you want to monitor the tree, though, in the spring. You know, if it doesn't seem like it's full leaf or it looks like it's, you know, not doing well, then, you know, maybe we want to do, do some more fertilization or keep watering. Water up until the ground freezes, even if your tree's leaves have come off <clears throat> for the fall. You know, keep watering until the ground freezes. The tree needs that. When we talk from a from a tree perspective, tree guy perspective, when we talk about removing leaves, mm-hmm. is that what we're supposed to be doing, or well, how do you look? You know, at in that? the forest, the leaves go back into the soil and create you know nutrients for the next generation. So trees are self feeding, yeah, but we've yeah. forgotten that. I know, right? Yeah. Right. So we yep. do fertilize to you know, supplement that, but really, you know, it, to use leaf litter as mulch for your trees is is one of the best things you can do. So. Um, when you're doing your leaf cleanup, maybe compost those into a big pile and then, you know, put it back into the garden the next year or, or just mow the leaves up in your, your lawn, you know, mm-hmm. with a, you know, just keep running over it till you chop it up into fine little particles that, you know, will just go back into your lawn, and help fertilize it naturally. Um, if you're going to tarp them and rake them up and, you know, clean them up, yeah, compost them or spread them out uh, mm-hmm. for later use. I know a lot of people that uh, collect the leaves and then they chip them, right? They just shred them into tiny yeah. pieces. And then you could actually take that back to the tree area and mulch the underneath the drip line, right? With Absolutely. With those shredded up leaves. Yeah, and that's tree will love it. sort of like a neater version, right, right, of a natural leaf drop. Right, exactly. And it, it, it stays in place tighter. a lot better. It doesn't blow back all over the yard when it's mulched up like that. Yeah. Now, do you up. do that at your house? What do you? No, we, we, we're... Very natural setting, so yeah. the leaves just kind of end up where they are. We have yeah. a very little like mobile. Do you know how to run one of those backpack blowers? I do, but they're obnoxious. Okay, could you come That's to true. my house and run mine? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've voiced for. So I, I right. so I leave mine everywhere I can. But I yeah. live in an oak forest. The driveway has to be blown off. The patio needs to be blown you, off. You'd I'm, really be better. I'm running the the mower over them. And that works really well. Mm-hmm. They're they're basically gone er, early in spring and working their way into the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about uh, I've got a big oak tree and I just saw a sheep's head mushroom oh, sprouting right. from the the uh, bottom of that. Is that a good or a bad thing, or do we know? It's a good thing if you like mushrooms because mm-hmm. they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad thing though because it does show that there's signs of decay in that tree. Mm-hmm. So, so anytime you see any type of fungal growth coming off of the trunk or the branches of the tree. Trunk, branches, <clears throat> root flare at the base. Okay. Um, even right next to the base of the tree because they can be growing up out of roots that are underground right near it. Is it too late once you see those? I mean, It depends on the on the fungus. Okay. You know, some are more aggressive than others. So you, you you know, get a ISA certified arborist, come out, look at it, they can identify it, and then we can tell. Yeah, let's talk about that, a tree inspection it. before the end of winter. Yeah, um, the, the, right now is the time that these wood decaying funguses are usually flowering, so this mm-hmm. is the time to be looking for that. If you see, uh, you know, any kind of conch or the, you know, the sulfur is a big orange mass. That's the, the one that I've got, one, in, one oak tree that's growing up in about uh, 
40 feet up in a in a crotch area. Oh, really? Yeah, and I can't pick them out of there, you know? No, no. Actually, I need a professional arborist to come climb and pick them. <laughs> I, I know one. I know one so. But he gets half of the harvest, <laughs> yeah, right. right? You can have them. <laughs> but this is, we should also tell people, like, they're talking about edible mushroom species here, but there are yeah, lots of unedible, dangerous do, mushroom species that grow in trees. Do not so. fool around with mushrooms. They Never. will They no. will kill you. Yeah, yeah, higher. You've got to give that disclaimer out. There. Yes, right. absolutely. But so you know, when Doug was talking about doing a an assessment of your tree and having somebody come out and look, not just for mushrooms, but in general, once the leaves fall off of the trees, you guys are really able to see the structure of the trees to mm-hmm. see what might need to be cabled or pruned. So falls a good time to have an inspection from that point of view too, right? Absolutely. Yep. So, it is. Yeah, with the leaves off, you can get a much better yeah, feel for the actual structure of the tree, any structural defects it might need dealt with, and so many cavities t- and such. So mm-hmm. many times we get questions, and you if you can't see the tree, you know, right. people ask you, well, the leaves look a little brown and this and that. you got to tell them. Yeah. A certified arborist from Davy Tree will come out for free, will take a look, and then tell you what needs to be done and what it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it past fertilization time or nope fertilization we're still, we're still fertilizing again until the ground really gets you know freezes up we can be fertilizing well, let's talk we... about that i mean what if you have a big giant tree how how do you fertilize it um uh, we, or should you fertilize it you should again because a lot of our trees are growing in now you know urban landscapes as right. opposed artificial to the, right, right. As opposed to the forest <laughs> so you know reintroducing the 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 nutrients and minerals back in the soil that they're used to and the other thing using the the deep soil probe that we use to inject liquid fertilizer and it also fragments the soil underground so it creates pore space for oxygen and you know water retention in the soil also so because like even in a lawn you're walking over it constantly when you're mowing the mower's going over you're, you're compacting that soil so using you know fertilizer fertilizer also you know breaks the soil up and you know so you basically you have this big machine right and you inject it down into the soil and then it's a liquid form, so it percolates down yeah. in through the ground. And it's, you it's do that in pressure. multiple places, right, right. around the uh, drip line of the tree. Yeah, the whole, like in a grid underneath the drip line of the tree, um, like two-foot spacing or so. And, yeah, it's it's a needle with the, the liquids under pressure. So when you stab it into the ground, you pull the trigger, mm-hmm. it'll, yeah. I like that it's super targeted, too. Yes, I mean, right. It keeps it thing. right where you want it. Right. All right, Rob, stick around. I see some questions up there on the board that might be for you. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Lots of callers on hold. We'll try and get to you. Now it's time for Mrs. Know-It-All. She's a grower, horticulturist, and our garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How is everybody? We're doing good. What's going on? Uh, well, you know, I since I live in the South Hills and you two are on the other side of the rivers, we've actually had more rain than you. And as a result, verticillium, has been a real problem with my trees. I am actually losing two of my most beautiful trees, a oh. Japanese maple and a paper bark maple. Oh, jeez. Um, and there's really, you can keep them watered while that hasn't been an issue. No. And also, uh, you know, it keeps them fertilized, but there is no cure for it. And by next year, both of these trees will probably be gone. On the other hand, I have an eight-foot hardy hibiscus that has just loved all of this weather. It mm. has taken over my garden. That is not a bad plant to have take over your garden. Those I, hardy, hardy hibiscus are just lovely. Absolutely beautiful. 
All right, we're going to get back to the phones now, and uh, I think uh, Rob can jump in on this from Davy Trees. Let's talk to Janet in Pine Township. Janet, welcome to KDKA and the Organic Gardeners. Good morning. Good morning. I have um, quite a few sentinel oaks around my 1879 farmhouse. I have a ac- an acorn crop two inches deep. Mm-hmm. Do I rake those away, or do I let Mother Nature eat them? It's funny, Janet. I had a uh, I have a, actually a voicemail from a guy who left me a message saying. Does, do you think anybody would want some acorns? Because I've got lots of acorns, and I'd hate to see them go to waste. And I'm like, oh. yeah, I think you're in the same boat as uh, Janet and Doug <laughs> and everybody else. So what do you think, Rob? Yeah, um, I would just let nature handle them. I, you know, it, there's no oh, reason to remove you. them from out from under the tree or, or deal with them unless, yeah. <laughs> Janet was, Janet's very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, unless you're I'm on a walkway happy. or driveway or a trip hazard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, leave them be. They're, okay. they're, they are seriously... On my walk, th- yeah. they are just It's like, like ball bearings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, that I do have a farmer friend who r- raises pigs, and she said the p- her pigs love acorns. So if you can find a farmer that raises pigs that wants the c- people bring her buckets of acorns because her mm. pigs love the acorns so much. So you could maybe find <laughs> some well, if you want to collect I guess them. You that's know? what I'll tell the, when I call this guy back. Like, yeah. Find yourself a pig farmer. Find a yeah. local pig yeah. farmer because apparently pigs love walnuts, even in the husks, mm-hmm. and uh, and acorns. So who knew? But anyway, yes, it is a masked year for sure yes. for the acorns around here. All right, let's go to Virginia in uh, New Swickley. Virginia, welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have two bushes um, that bloom in the spring, One is the azalea, and I have a senior moment here. I can't think of the name of the other one. They only bloom in the spring, and they're vibrant and beautiful. They've totally overgrown, and I'm wondering. I can't think of the name of the other bush. Is it a rhododendron, maybe? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Wow, you're not only smart, you're clairvoyant. read minds. (laughs) Right, right. So you basically want to know if you need to prune, if you can prune them now, or? Huh? You want to know if you can prune them now? Yes. Okay. So now is definitely not the best time to prune spring blooming shrubs like azaleas and rhododendrons because they have their buds for next year already formed now. So if you prune them now, you're cutting off all your flowers for next year. So your best okay. bet so is... So when do you recommend to do that? Right. Your best bet is to wait until after they bloom and then immediately when they're finished blooming, that's when you do your pruning. And especially with that rhododendron, you can prune rhododendrons back really hard like even back down to the ground and they will come, you know, sprout forth new growth. Like you can, you can prune those pretty darn hard. Azaleas, I'd go a little bit lighter on those mm-hmm. for sure. All right, let's take one more call before we uh, take our final break of the day. Let's say to hi to Rose in Pittsburgh. Rose, welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Good morning, kids. Hey, um, yesterday, like you, I was out in the garden all day and I planted my bulbs. And then I talked to my daughter-in-law later in the day, and she said, you shouldn't have done that. It was too warm. No, it's Might okay. Might be in trouble. No, it's okay. Oh, you're fine. You don't worry about it. I've heard a lot of that stuff myself, you yeah. know. But don't worry about it. They'll, they'll be absolutely fine. And they will have lots of time to make beautiful, big, thick roots, mm-hmm. which will help support those plants next year. So and I'm just excited that you planted bulbs because people aren't doing as much as they, they used to, and they should be. You know, I, I just, uh, the, the thrill of that's those spring blooms, you know, daffodils uh, in particular, since the deer won't eat them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How important is it to plant the bulbs right side up? 
Hmm, that's a good question. You know, they'll find their way up, but it's Will it's they? easier for the plant if, okay. if you put it with the root side down. Some bulbs, though, it's hard to tell which side is right. Yes, mm. especially <laughs> with like the uh, anemones. Anemones, the spring, exactly. They look like little rocks is what they look like when you plant them. So it's real hard to tell which end is up, which end is down. Sometimes even for crocus, which is a, a, technically a corm, and they're sort of squat and you round kinda, You really got to look at them. You have to look. Where's the root plate and where's the little, you know, tip growth coming? You have to mm-hmm. really carefully examine them. I would say if they were compl- like a daffodil or a tulip, if you planted it completely upside down, eh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it would have a hard time finding its way up. On its side, I think it would, you know, yeah. would figure and it out. And something smaller like a crocus, the, they seem to find their way up. Yeah, the littler bulbs because they're shallower and all that. That's kind of like me trying to get out of bed in the morning. Some <laughs> <laughs> so face it's down. Totally on my upside side. down. Yeah, Forget it. It's not good. All right, listen. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Draw this week's winner. No, that's on the Coons Cooking Hour. I'm all lost, folks. Wrong hour, Rob. That's what 13 hours does. Senior to you. moment. All right. Breaking news from the Doug Oster text line: The Garlic King of Millvale's got our garlic ready for us, Jessica. So uh, excellent. Tuesday is the official day for planting. That is the new moon, but we can plan any time from now until November. Rob, I want to thank you very much for coming right. in. You you have Most the uh, you. You, you are the only Davy guy ever thank to you. do three in a row. That's true, and actually. Record. And ask it's a question. <laughs> <laughs> also true. We can't say you're the first to bring your kid, though. Yeah. But we do thank but you for doing so. Done, Gavin, it was yeah. great Gavin, to meet you. Gavin, thank you for Thanks, coming Gavin. in. Thank you for getting up early. Good yeah. to see you. some company on no the way problem. down here. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. He's a cute kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to meet him in an alley, though. But yeah. <laughs> Tough kid. Wrestling is, you got it's the most conditioned, they're the most conditioned athletes in the world. And it's the most pure sport. Love it. Mano a mano. I love it, man. Mm-hmm. You guys are not talking about WWE, are you? No, no, no. no we're talking about, oh, real, we're talking about real wrestling. Don't get me started. Those people are athletes, too, no matter what anybody thinks. Okay, take us home. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live.